Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. My guest today is Dylan Meek, mayor of Waco. We review his highlights from 2022 and lay out the ways the city's planning to grow smart in 2023. But first, it's the Business Review with C.J. Jackson. Consistent marketing. I'm C.J. Jackson, and this is the Business Review. In difficult times, many companies are tempted to slash marketing from their budgets. Nona Finn, founder and CEO of Thus Marketing, says that's a big mistake. I believe that many companies look at marketing as sort of this luxury item, sort of this nice to have, but we don't have to have. Marketing is that conduit. It's the bridge to the audience. It's what connects the organization to the audience. During difficult economic times, the need of the audience will change. Finn says she continues listening to her clients, even when they've cut their marketing budget, and advises them to keep listening to their customers because their needs are changing too. That marketing is your tool to keep your finger on the pulse in the midst of a crisis. Knowing how that customer is changing. Without marketing, you don't have those insights. So when things do come back to a place where your customer is ready to once again, spend with you the way they used to, connect with you the way they used to, you know exactly how things have changed for them. And if you decide that marketing can take a back seat, how will your customers remember you? You might not be able to spend as much as you used to. Your budget might have to change and shift a bit, but it should never go negative. It should never go zero when it comes to that marketing budget. Finn's firm ranks listening as one of the most important things in a marketing relationship especially in times of economic stress. Really, at the end of the day, the audience is like they never left. Even when I couldn't, you know, fill their pockets, they were right there at my side the entire time. And now that I'm ready to re-engage, I don't have to go far to find them because they were here the entire time. The Business Review is a production of Livingston and McKay and the Hankemer School of Business at Baylor University. The Business Review can be heard every Thursday during Morning Edition and All Things Considered on KWBU. Welcome back to Downtown Depot and to my guest, Mayor of Waco, Dylan Meek. Dylan, I know that you are a vision caster, someone who plans and likes to set goals for yourself, very high goals in the case of our city and your leadership here. When you look back at 2022, what were some of the things that you anticipated to happen in 2022 that you were proud of? 
And were there any things that you didn't meet? And maybe you can still work on those goals in 2023. Absolutely. Well, first of all, just such a fun time to get to connect. We've we've done this for a couple times, a couple years now of kicking off the new year, catching up on this program and kind of looking ahead and, and looking back. And such an honor to get to be here in the studio today with with you, Austin, and with the uh, KWBU team. So it, it was a really exciting year in Waco, and I can look back, and there's some some things that I'm really proud of for our community. One thing that I think is just stunning is that Waco ranked second in Texas and seventh in the nation in job growth between June of last year and June of 2022, percentage-wise, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It just got beat out by DFW, but seventh in the nation. I think that's really important. And the reason why that's important to me is because that creates opportunities for people to have financial secure lives in this community. One of the primary goals that I have, one of the primary goals of our council is to really create pathways to financial security and bringing in good, well-paying jobs into this community by deploying strategies around incentives and recruitment of employers and working hand in hand with our community partners like our chambers of commerce in order to see this come to be, I think is something really worth celebrating and noting for that purpose. Waco is an old city too, a lot of history. We've got to invest in capital improvements. And I'm really proud that we're deploying $120 million in capital improvements. And that's the largest dollar amount that we've ever deployed for capital investments. You know, it's funny, um, the other day, someone at the city staff was telling us that as they were reconstructing um, a street, when we reconstruct streets, it's a line that will, you know, when we do street, we're also going to do the water and sewer and all of the infrastructure holistically, if if that's appropriate. And uh, one of the downtown streets that was re- getting reconstructed, one of the reasons why some of those move slower is because the water infrastructure underneath is so old. In fact, someone said that there was a barreled wooden pipe that was still being utilized to get water around the city. And so uh, two words, deferred maintenance. But, um, <laughs> but So it's not made out of iron. It's not made out of PVC. It's literally made out yeah, of wood. It was a wooden pipe that was excavated and replaced with uh, modern piping. But um, so really excited about the capital improvements that we're going to put forth this year. And, you know, infrastructure, I think we're going to talk about that a little more in depth in a minute. It's it's not the sexiest thing, but it's important. It's funny. I'll go to dinner with my wife and somebody will come up and say, hey, when are you going to fix all these streets? Man, my tires are about to fall off this car with all these potholes. I'm like, good point. We're working on it. And then another person will come up and say, when are you going to stop fixing all these streets? I'm so sick of the construction. <laughs> and I, the thing is, I empathize with that. I will be on a, a an old bumpy street and say, man, we've got to get this fixed. And then, then I'll get tied up in, in construction and say, ah, oh, man, this is a bummer. But it is, it is, um, you know, to me, when you see a city who is doubling down on infrastructure, it's not only should give people comfort for the future because there's good planning happening, but it also means that stuff that needs to get fixed is is getting fixed, and that means that the the budget is healthy. That means that um, good things are happening in the city, and it and it ensures that we have a bright future. So really proud of that that number. Three years of record breaking business growth in terms of. Um, organizations coming to the city. We're rolling out an economic development plan, hopefully at the beginning of this year. But one of the things that I'm really excited about from a project perspective was that um, the announcement at the very at the very tail end of last year that's really taken grown its legs out, and we can talk more about this in a bit too, was 
the um, the riverfront development. And to date, that's the largest economic development announcement in terms of investment from the start to finish of the from from I thirty five to Franklin. When all said and done, and that's the largest economic development project that's been announced to date. I think that this year we're gonna hopefully get a bigger uh, bigger project uh, announced. But really excited about that. Poverty rates have fallen to the lowest point in a decade, dropping nearly 10 basis points in the last 10 years. Median income is higher than it's been in a decade. Um, our sales tax continues to break records. That shows sign of a really vibrant economy as well. And uh, our parks are, um, if you just go to our parks website, you can see all the parks that are getting either built out, like the new China Spring Park, or so many, or the, the Floyd Casey Park, $27 million investment in a park there or uh, other parks that are getting or have been recently re, um, totally revitalized, the Cotton um, Palace Park and some, some others. So really excited about the investment and quality of life in the city as well. So more to come in this. I know we're going to talk about some more, but looking back, really vibrant year in Waco. A lot of challenges to solve for. We've uh, really rolled up our sleeves and devo- de- um, uh, rolled out some strategies around housing. I know we can talk about some of that and the affordability of housing, and a lot of work to continue to be done to build out a financially secure community. But the puzzle pieces are on the table, and we have a really unprecedented, I think, opportunity to do big things for our community in our community right now. Thank you, Mayor Meek, for that overview of 2022 and where we're headed this year. Man, I've heard all these different stories individually, but hearing them all brought together by one of the people in charge— 2022 does seem to have been a banner year for Waco in a lot of ways. I, I think that that riverfront development is obviously one of the most primarily visible showings of Waco's growth because it really brings together something that you have been talking about for the last few years and Mayor Kyle Deaver before you, the increasing unity between the city of Waco and Baylor University. And that could not possibly be better shown by this beautiful Baylor basketball amphitheater that's going to be built mm-hmm. there, and the city will be able to use that for events too. That's right. Yep, it really is. And I would say, you know, I think Wake Owens for a couple of generations now have been really trying to think strategically about how the riverfront can be optimized and developed strategically. And I think it was the such a blessing for me to get to be in this seat in this moment where the market – and the timing all just kind of converged to where we can really see dirt start to get turned. So, yeah, very excited about the new uh, basketball pavilion. The capacity is going to be for, obviously, 7,500 spectators, and there'll be standing room only for 500 extra fans. Really excited to see that for all of downtown because it's going to really activate the community. I think that right now when you look, think about, and we've seen this in other communities, data has, has borne this out, that – um, when people are going to games and they spill out afterwards and go either before or after, grab a beverage or a dinner, um, or maybe do a little shopping, it really activates that downtown economy in a way that's really exciting. We anticipate that to be completed as a Baylor project, and they are Baylor is going hard and fast on it. You can see it's gone vertical. That is expected to be done January of 2024. And, you know, I have no reason to believe, again, it's Baylor's project, but I have no reason to believe they're not going to be able to hit that mark as fast as it appears that they 
uh, they're moving. The city's doing a parking garage immediately next door to that. Um, it'll be at 450 spaces. And we also anticipate this to be done in January. There might be some work on the parking garage. We're going to activate the ground level of the parking garage with restaurant and retail that will be incredibly dynamic and really activate the plaza space that kind of faces the arena. And that I don't know that all of that aspect of the parking garage will be completed by the deadline, but we are anticipating patrons of the arena to be able to park in the parking garage when it opens. But it is it is a fast and furious development over there with a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving pieces. A couple other things happening, the farmer's market, Webster and University Parks redesign, we're hoping is going to um, come in April of this year, as well as the completion of our phase one of the riverfront development, um, which is going to include 266 residential live work units, 6,000 square feet of retail and restaurant, 6,000 square feet of resident amenity, and another additional 393 space parking garage that will include 150 public parking places that can be activated during these busy seasons. A couple more phases still in the works. Phase two is a um, 12-story full-service hotel. We anticipate an announcement any day now on what that hotel is going to be. I think that the the confidential finalist is is one that I'm really excited about and really think is going to really add some character to the hotel experience for Waco visitors. And I think it's going to be a place where Wacoans are going to want to go um, dine and enjoy the amenities that it offers as well. That is uh, hopefully going to be completed sooner than this, but the, the contractual deadline is January of um, 27. But we're really anticipating that being done a, a bit sooner. When you think to this upcoming year, 2023, just your opinion, of course. I know you are the mayor of Waco, but you also are, are a citizen of Waco and a taxpayer. What's the single greatest issue that's facing Waco in this upcoming year? And what is the single greatest opportunity yep. on Waco's table this upcoming year? Sure. I think that um, there's two things that I think jump to mind on the greatest um, issues that face the city, and they, they definitely connect. Um, financial security um, and housing, affordable housing. So, you know, our economy is strong, and in, there, in that there is much opportunity. But we've seen a lot of people – um, who are realizing the impacts of inflation and um, and rising housing costs. And that's not unique to any city on the I-35 corridor. I think many cities on, along I-35 are benefiting from a growing economy. But I think that what makes Waco special is there's opportunity in that economy. The, there are good-paying jobs with little barrier to entry that have entered into our market and working strategically to ensure that people have connection to those jobs with transportation, training, childcare even. It's going to be, it creates an incredible opportunity to address these issues of affordable housing and financial insecurity. And so while we'll continue to deploy an abundance of strategies around those specifically and just target those dead on, I think that it's going to be a really dynamic time to see positive change in those areas. I know historically Waco has had a very low unemployment rate, but the issue has been the wages. Correct. The wages yep. haven't been there. Are this job growth that's coming, are those bringing higher wage jobs? Absolutely. Um, right now, even you know at Amazon, you can go work for 20 bucks an hour with um, no off-site training required. 
um, and they're they're hiring people up. There's actually a greater abundance of skilled workforce and skilled developer development in the community, and we're really excited about our partnership with TSDC um, to build out an industrial training facility. So. People can get upskilled. People can come on site and learn a trade. Um, people, uh, TSDC will be providing the coursework, but it's going to be a special facility for Wycoans to come, learn how to get um, a, a specific skill set, and then go make um, even higher earnings um, than than what Amazon is paying. And again, that's a new moment for us. Um, it, you know, look, I think that there's really what I love about some of these jobs is that there's ladders to climb. You can jump into an organization, learn a skill, and advance in your professional development and career through some of these industries like welding or manufacturing technicians. These are not jobs that are stagnant, and you'll start making a minimum wage and you'll die making a minimum wage if you work there. There's a real opportunity for wealth building in these organizations and changing trajectories for families, and I think that that is one of the reasons why I'm so enthralled to be a part of this work. You're hearing from Dylan Meek, mayor of Waco. He listed housing as one of the issues facing the Waco community in 2023 and specifically affordable housing. Let's take the other side of that, though, Dylan. So when you're looking at opportunities that are on Waco's plate in 2023, there's a lot on the table. But if you had to distill it down to one, what would you say is the greatest opportunity for this city? Yeah, I mean, I'm not to... I, I, kind of just said it, but I think one of the greatest opportunities is to grow the economy in a way that works for everybody. And that's a really high level, broad thing to say, but I really think we can connect um, people to jobs that have come to this community and build uh, and help families build wealth. And I think that that is something that's really exciting to me. This is always an existential question for me as it comes to the role of chambers and incentives for economics to bring people here. So what is the balance, in your view, between having an economic incentive package to get Amazon to come here and build a bunch of jobs, and maybe they can have a thousand employees, versus incentivizing that local company that maybe has ten employees to help them grow to twenty-five or grow to fifty? What's the right balance there? Yeah, I think that um, you know, complex opportunities, complex problems equals complex solutions, and so. It's a it's a team sport. First of all, I got to acknowledge we've got an incredible city staff. Our city manager Bradley Ford does outstanding work, and he's got a great team of people working with him. We couldn't do any of this work without his great leadership. I have a great city attorney, Jennifer Ritchie, and I have great business partners with our chambers, um, with um, Startup Waco, who helps with entrepreneurship and small business support, and other small business and um, and business partners in the community. So really thankful that this is a team sport. Everybody's got a role to play, and it's critical that we move forward as a team. Um, to answer your question specifically, it's both and. Um, I think we've put, we've put nearly $300 million in small business support um, in our budget this year and have begun to roll those out, um, small business uh, um, opportunity and incentive packages. Um, you got to do both. And I think that it was interesting. We did an inner city visit to Phoenix, which was really interesting. It's a much larger city, um, but it's a, um, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the sense that it's a growing economy in Arizona. Um, it's a border state and not a border city. And a lot that we could kind of learn about how to grow the economy from looking at a really big institution like Phoenix and one of the things that they emphasized as they've really grown the economy and really deployed a lot of cool programming 
was that uh, small business matters. If you want to recruit um, large uh, organizations to the community that's going to employ a lot of people, they want to see what's your art scene like? What's your um, restaurant scene like? What's your small business culture like? And so, you know, it's not just, you know, judicious. It's actually really pragmatic to say, how are we really cultivating a well-rounded economy and well-rounded culture with arts and with vibrant restaurants and vibrant retail and small businesses? Because um, small business, you know, people say it, I believe it, is the heartbeat of our community. But large business pays a lot of property taxes and employs a lot of people. So both are critical, both are important, and we're going to work strategically and holistically to ensure that both have a, a seat at the table. It reminds me of this Northwest Arkansas corridor where the Walton family, you start a Walmart, they've been, and they've been pouring millions and millions, maybe even billions of dollars into an interconnected network of trails and a world-class art museum because they want people to come and work at Walmart. It's hard to convince somebody from New York City to come work at Walmart if you're in the middle of Arkansas of nowhere. So they have built incredible infrastructure around there to incentivize people. And that seems like another area where there's been really beautiful partnership between public and private companies mm-hmm. like Walmart. And we're seeing some of that in Waco too. Yeah, that's right. I think that, you know, it's just, it, you know, we don't have a Walton family note. I mean, lots of respect if they ever want to give give Waco some money, we, we'd gladly take <laughs> it. But but there are a lot of people in this community who are continuously genu- um, generous, and give because I think they understand that this all interconnects and all interplays into for us to have the vibrant city that we're trying to build up. You know, good culture and good quality of life connects to a good economy. I have heard older people refer to Waco today as Austin in the 70s, Austin in the 80s, before this big boom started. And you can feel it when you drive through downtown Austin. This is not a city that was designed to be Two million people. It was probably designed to be 250,000 people, and that's why there's such terrible traffic when you drive through there. There are an increasing number of people who are being priced out of these major Texas metros and are finding a home in Waco, which I'm very happy for. But you hear a lot of locals say, hey, don't Austin my Waco. (laughs) Don't bring – in the same way we say, hey, don't California my Texas. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that can be done about that? How do you balance – having all this new blood that's bringing great innovation to the city Mm -hmm. while also making sure that Waco doesn't turn into one of those other cities and can still maintain its own unique Waco vibe. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and it's a challenge. The um, city of Austin, the the magazine uh, Texas Monthly gives out a bump steer award every year. They kind of roast somebody in Texas for, you know, not getting something right. You can look it up and and learn more about that, that award you don't want to get. And the city of Austin got the Bump Steer Award this year for that reason, for this this unsmart growth that they have gone through. And I'm not throwing shade at the city of Austin at all. I read it and I found it to be a real cautionary tale of how, you know, what are what what do we do well and what can we do right? And again, I'm not disparaging the city or that work. It's just an acknowledgement of unintended consequences to growth. So in my judgment, we have to grow smartly. So let me start with culture. I think it's really important that when you know people say it's like Austin or Dallas in another era, 
is I think we just got to double down on it. What's our identity and who are we as people? And I think it's an important exercise that we need to really almost formally go through to identify what is the culture of Waco and how do we maintain that and how do we keep that? And who are we? Because I think everything starts with identity. I think the second thing is from an infrastructure perspective and a housing perspective and a supply perspective, really planning for growth. And I'm, I think Austin is has as good as planners as anybody does, but we've got to work our tails off to make sure that we are prepared for growth and that we are, that there is smart growth. I think growth can be a good thing because it can make opportunities um, uh, come to the community that really uplifts and helps people. And I think that you've got to deploy extra strategy for that to be the case, but I think it's a good thing. It can be a good thing. And I think in Waco, it is a good thing right now. But we've also got to be um, deploy some of these strategies to mitigate unintended consequences like rising housing costs, as well as prepare for growth that I anticipate Texas and most cities um, in our geography are going to see. Looking forward to May of 2023, we will have some new blood on the city council. And one recent exit from the city council was the councilwoman Kelly Palmer. She represented District 4. And at least as long as I've been in Waco, she was the strongest, most progressive, quote unquote, left voice on the council. It would be hard to replace someone like Kelly. um, But I wonder if in this traditionally conservative city that we have, if any of her progressive leanings have rubbed off on the council or maybe even in your own perspective, has having someone whose voice was so far on the other side sort of brought a different set of questions and thought processes when the city council is describing and, and deciding what to do. Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, the city is, city council is nonpartisan. And and I don't know that, you know, when I look at our city council, I really don't see it in partisan terms or, you know, I really feel like our council has tried to be governed by what's the right course of action for our city um, and how do we marry ambition with pragmatism and how are we stewarding taxpayer dollars really well and being thoughtful about this, but also ensuring that our city is dynamic and healthy and growing. And so, you know, from a framing perspective, that's really more how I see it. I think that it's always healthy to have a team of people coming to the table, seeking to understand each other, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, but also sometimes pushing on, on different issues too. And so I think that creating a culture where it's safe to always say like, what is the, you know, this is how I see this, or I see this differently, or or healthy disagreements or, you know, robust debates on policy issues is not a bad thing. And I think that, um, again, the culture has to be, that has to be met with um, camaraderie and teamsmanship because we're all fighting for the same thing, which is to make Waco a stronger, better city. And as a reminder for all the listeners, city council people, even Dylan as the mayor, are not paid for being in this position. This is a civic service that they perform. So we want to make sure that we are communicating what our needs are as citizens and letting our our representative know that so they can make that clear at their city council meetings. But just make sure to remember, this is it, not a job for them. Well, and in fairness, it, it, we do get a small stipend. It's, it's very, very but it, small. But it, it's not it's, a job. It is not a job. This, it's this not a, a livable service wage. That That's right. Yeah, so right. I just want to remind everyone yeah. of that, regardless of, of what you feel about what yeah. they're doing. Dylan, we're wrapping up here. I'd love for you to give me 60 seconds on what you want Wake Owens to be thinking about and knowing as we head into 2023. 
I'll give you uh, three things. Um, the first is really excited. We're doing a faith leader summit um, for all faiths, um, um, all um, denominations, um, but faith leaders on, on January 31st. And I, we've done our best to get that out um, to, uh, to uh, the faith community but really want to um, rightly just tell them about what's going on in the city. Here's what's happening in parks. Here's what's happening in economic development. Here's what's happening in our police force. And you can um, play a role in making your city better in these different departments, and how, here's how you can do that. So excited about that. If, you ha- if, you're, um, if you're in a community of faith and you want to make sure that your leaders are, um, have been informed of that, check in with them and try to encourage them to be there. Number two. Really excited about um, some of the job training or really connecting people to jobs that we talked about and some that growing legs this next year. So hope I can come back a year from now and, and that it's a bit more defined on the, on the work that we've done. And then number three, Waco is an incredibly accessible place. If you got any issues going on in the community, ping me or your city council member in an email. Our emails are on the city website. We want to hear from you. Again, I, this is a team sport. And everybody's on this team. It's an incredibly exciting time in Waco that we get to really help shape and frame and build out really um, a place where people have a real chance to find success um, in whatever their goals are. And I want that to be a city where people know that their voices can be heard. Dylan Meek is the mayor of Waco. Thank you for stopping by Downtown Depot this first Friday of January. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Dylan Meek, Mayor of Waco, and you for tuning in to episode 142 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes on Facebook and Instagram at Waco Business News and join me back here on KWBU the third Friday of the month for another conversation with an inspiring small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen sparking Waco's revitalization. I'm Austin Meek. And you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business.